Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Hey, happy uh, Wednesday, hump day to all those who celebrate. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Some good news. If you're a big fan of Bud Light, you can drink it again. I'll give you details on that uh, in a bit. First, I want to welcome to the program former Charlotte mayor, former North Carolina governor, Pat McCrory. You can also hear him uh, every Wednesday. He's on uh, with uh, Bo and Beth. Good morning, BT, here on WBT. Uh, Hey, Pat, how are you? Hey, good seeing you, Pete. Well, you're you're not seeing me. We're just talking. Well, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this morning... I heard you on uh, with Bo and Beth, and you were talking a little bit about uh, the Republican National Committee chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel. Uh, uh, the, the news reports are that she's going to be resigning soon. Um, and for, uh, for a uh, sort of North Carolina connection, uh, the, the reports are that she is likely to be expected uh, to be replaced by North Carolina Republican Party chairman Michael Watley. And um, so I was kind of curious... Uh, because you made some comments about Michael Wadley, I was kind of curious. What what do you think of this uh, of this report? What do you think of Michael Wadley as the new RNC chairman? It's no surprise because the minute uh, he was sent up to D.C. to be uh, the RNC chief legal counsel while also chairing the North Carolina Party, the writing was on the wall because Wadley's Trump's guy, and Wadley will do whatever Trump wants him to do. He'll Trump says jump, he'll say how high, and uh, and Run has been trying to walk that fine line between following the rules of what a party should do, which they can't endorse a candidate until their process is finished, or do what the former president tells them to do. And she, at first, after New Hampshire, was going to try to go ahead and declare him the, the nominee. Uh, Nikki Haley had something else to say, and the rules of the party have to say it's something else to say. So that hesitation, you know, put the final nail in the coffin, I assume. And Wally is uh, ready to step in because Wally has a past uh, track record of uh, breaking party rules to do what um, the president wants right here in North Carolina. Okay, so such as? Uh, he broke all the convention rules in Greenville, North Carolina, about two or three years ago and basically let Trump take over the convention, endorse a candidate at the convention, go on stage with a candidate at the convention, which was against all the rules of the North Carolina Republican Party. And Watley's not the type of guy who's going to stand up and defend the rules when uh, the former president speaks and when he invites Watley down to Mar-a-Lago an awful lot. And Michael likes going down to Mar-a-Lago. So, I mean, it was a smart move by Michael. He's doing what the presumptive nominee wants him to do, and and he's the presumptive nominee who will run the party. It might start a little earlier than anticipated. So, uh, and this was the race, obviously, that you were in for uh, yeah. the U.S. Senate seat. And where... not just me, Mark Walker, and seven other candidates. Right. And so, he, uh, he got up there and endorsed every Ted rule Bob. in the book regarding party rules and and some other things uh, that 
was totally inappropriate. What, and frankly, he should have resigned. But what is, uh, you know, you end up standing, you, you end up uh, maybe remaining stronger if you pick the right horse. And he did. And uh, I've, I've known him for many years. And uh, he used to work for Elizabeth Dole, actually, someone who probably wouldn't be accepted in the party today. And I think he, he worked for another U.S. senator, I want to say, somewhere in the Midwest as well. I forget. Um, I'm not sure. He was an energy lobby. He, he had some lobbying contracts. He's always mm-hmm. had a lot of lobbying contracts. I met with him several times as governor, too. Mm-hmm. Um, what of the argument that, look, the guy is able to get out votes, right? He, he, gets, he, he attracts money. He does the things that a chairman needs to do in order to keep a party strong. And as proof of that, uh, Trump carried North Carolina. We had a lot of uh, Republican wins in this state. So uh, what about his, his record of success? No, he's, he's, uh, he works hard. He's a, he's a hustler. Um, he'll do what's necessary. He's lost some, I mean, they've won the House and the Senate um, races, but that's mainly due to gerrymandering. And uh, I think the only races we really lost that were of consequence were the governor's race. With uh, So we've lost that two times in a row. Mm-hmm. At a time when we carried the state and the presidential elections, we just have a difficulty with the governor's race and other council of state races. We've, we've lost the secretary of state and several other uh, races at the council state level, um, so attorney general, things of that nature. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever had a Republican attorney general or secretary of state, yeah. for that matter. Um, that's a, that's, well, we've had lieutenant governors, and yeah. of course I was the only governor since Jim Martin, so uh, so that's the only area of real weakness in the state. Money-wise, he raised a lot of money, grassroots money, using Trump's name. He and Meadows were very tight, too. So, um, you know, and Meadows had a great impact on my Senate race because Meadows got Trump to endorse uh, uh, now Senator Ted Budd. Right. And Meadows does not get and has not gotten along with Mark Walker. Um, And it was no, no, there's a huge dispute there. And that's still going on. Right. Uh, Mark Walker is in a major fight, which is ironic because there's probably no one more conservative than Mark Walker. But the Trump machine. Uh, Meadows and the Trump family have kind of gone against Mark Walker. It's it's, it's like a it's a soap opera mm-hmm. in dealing with the family. Well, no, and I and I tell people all the time, politics is uh, it, it is as petty as one might uh, consider yeah. it to be. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is, especially <laughs> at the uh, you know local level, where I mean, you know, the these are local issues. There aren't a whole lot of local issues that kind of motivate a lot of people. So a lot of the stuff comes down to personal slights and grievances and that sort of thing. Obviously, that yeah, kind of stuff. The, it's it's a, it's a personal sport. Mm-hmm. A lot of feelings are hurt and. Um, and Mark Walker uh, really got stepped on because he was probably a bigger Trump supporter than anyone. And then Ted Budd got the endorsement over him uh, due to his relationship with Laura Trump and his family's wealth, who gave a lot of money to Trump and to a few other factors. So mm-hmm. uh, Mark was kind of pushed off to the side. Mm-hmm. And probably what? determined who the U.S. Senate race was there. Now, you're part of this No Labels organization. I've seen some mm-hmm. uh, some people uh, connect you and no labels to uh, to like a, a sort of like an ulterior motive and underhanded way to help Trump. Uh, have you seen yeah, this? And got, I think it, uh, we've got. I'm co-chair of No Labels, right? Nationally, and uh, we've got MoveOn.org and uh, uh, Third Wave and 
the Lincoln Project, they're all attacking me and Joe Lieberman and others. Uh, they're threatening staff members of no label with, you'll never work in Washington again. Very similar to what Trump did a week ago. Anyone who gives to Haley <coughs> will be, payback will be hell. Mm-hmm. That's how politics is. The left has always done that, and now I guess Trump's doing that. But the left, moveon.org, is, uh, who's supported by the Soros Group, yeah, they're threatening me and everyone else because they think we're going to cost uh, Biden the campaign, the presidential election, when in fact there's only one person causing Biden to lose, and that's Joe Biden. Mm. So what? <laughs> there's there is a connection. Uh, is I don't remember the fellow's name. Is it La Civita or something like that? That is a Trump campaign guy, or is a is an aide of his, and is also was also connected to you because that's what I've seen as a as this. this oh, Chris only... Lasavitas. Okay, Lasavitas, uh, Trump's campaign manager, and he was my campaign manager in my uh, unsuccessful re-election race where I lost by what ten thousand votes. Mm-hmm. Chris is from Virginia, former Marine, and. Out of nowhere, Trump selected him to run his campaign. I'm, I must give him credit. Compared to other people who have tried to control Trump, uh, Chris has done a heck of a job. Mm-hmm. He just can't stay with him at 2 o'clock in the morning when he sends out tweets. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Chris is my old campaign manager, and um, he's running the whole Trump apparatus. And I must say he's doing a pretty good job at it. And so, yeah. So that's that's what I have heard is the connection. Like that's the proof. Uh, yeah, yeah. The moveon dot org says that it's like the seven degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. You know, since since Chris Lasavita ran my campaign, now he's running Trump's campaign. Therefore, Pat McCrory is secretly trying to get Trump elected and and Biden defeated. Therefore, we got to do everything we can to kill or to you know, do harm to Pat McCrory or whoever. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's like a soap opera. Yeah. Well, no, and that's why, yeah, that's why you speak I so hot. Hi- the Biden and the Trump people who don't like me. Right. Which is fine with me. I, I could care less. I, I consider myself much more conservative than, than Trump or, or uh, some of the people who don't call me a true conservative. In fact, today we were talking about crime and you gave me some information here. The Charlotte city council is trying to say, Finally, they're going to start enforcing, you know, laws like public urination and and open containers and uh, sleeping in the street. And and I'm going, when in the hell did that ever change? Because when I was mayor, I wouldn't let anyone fall asleep on a bench in downtown Charlotte, much less sleep in front of a doorway. Uh, now they're doing more than man, sleeping I, now. Huh? They're doing way yeah, more than sleeping more than now. Sl- it's it's just, <laughs> it's very sad. What you know? Because as you know, Pete, you were around at that time. I was known as being very tough on crime. I mean, we didn't mess around. Yeah, you called. I became you mayor. We rioters, thugs, murders a year, and we took that down about seventy five percent by the time mm. I left. Yeah, you called people thugs and got in all sorts of trouble. I, I did remember. call people thugs. I was called <laughs> after that a racist and everything else. I've I been remember. called by the left every name in the book and the right. The left has called me a right-wing extremist. The right has called me a left-wing rhino. So that's why I'm part of no labels now. I, I really don't care about labels. <laughs> so uh, are, do you have time to stick around for another segment? Yeah, we'll do one more. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply. 
at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out pete calendar here thanks a lot for uh joining the program i do appreciate it also want to thank uh, former governor pat mccrory uh, for sticking around for another segment uh, we talked earlier uh, in the first part about uh the nc uh, gop chairman michael watley uh being uh apparently uh reportedly uh next in line for the rnc chairmanship after ronna mcdaniel is expected to step down after the South Carolina primary. Um, but I also wanted to ask you about uh, the immigration bill, because I'm old enough to remember when you, uh, as mayor of Charlotte, created that task force to look at the costs and benefits of immigration, because people were having this great debate about immigration. This was 20 years ago, and there were no there were no stats. There was very little data uh, that people could look at to make these sorts of determinations as to whether or not, you know, there is a drain on resources or not. 20 years later, I think I think it's pretty clear uh, this is a drain on on public resources and it's creating all sorts of problems. So I'm curious what your take is on the uh, on that proposed border bill. Did you did you read it? Uh, did you look at any of the, the high points or whatever? Uh, and then uh, uh, its apparent demise. Is that a good thing, do you think? Well, you're right. 20 years ago when I was mayor, uh, it's probably more than 20 years ago. In fact, I wrote a detailed put together task force on the illegal immigration issue in Charlotte both legal and illegal immigration, the Mm -hmm. impact on our hospitals, the impact on our schools, the impact on economic development, the impact on public safety. And I I frankly think uh, my team was ahead of its time in bringing up the issue. And nothing has changed much since then. By the way, at that time, 20-some years ago, we weren't keeping stats. Our hospitals and schools were told not to keep stats. Ironically, that report that I did was used against me in a U.S. Senate race when, in fact, as governor then, I vetoed one of the most liberal bills to hurt or to to increase illegal immigration in North Carolina passed by a Republican legislature, some of who are now running for other offices, which basically ruled Ronald Reagan's law of V-Verify non-existent in North Carolina. And I thought that was wrong. I vetoed it, and uh, my legislature overrode my veto. And We've never heard from them since, and these are the same people who are now saying we need to get tough on illegal immigration. A lot of history um, in dealing with this issue. Uh, today um, in Congress, no, I have not read the bill. Um, I've read the highlights of the bill. I've read the Wall Street Journal editorial on the bill, things of that nature. And, you know, we're, we just don't believe in the uh, Ronald Reagan rule anymore. If you get 80% of what you ask for, take it. Uh, now, if we don't get 100% of what we ask for, we don't take it. We vote against it. Even when we only control one chamber with three votes, we don't control the Senate. And we don't control the White House. But either way, we'd rather have nothing than something. And uh, it was very discouraging for me to hear the excellent job you guys did on the debate, what, a week ago? I was in bed with COVID. No, no. Um, <clears throat> Uh, listening to that debate, and they all spoke about we need to fight illegal immigration and do all these things, but not one of them 
who is running for Congress in the 8th District or any other district is saying, how do you get the votes in the House and Senate and get a president to sign it? Because that's what you have to do when you're in Congress. You have to actually get the votes. Doesn't he ever already have all of the authority he needs as president? I've, I've read, first of all, he could do a lot more. I'm personally a conservative who believes you have to pass laws, mm-hmm. not through executive order. I hated it when Obama did executive orders. I hated it when Trump did executive orders. Uh, I don't agree with executive orders because it's mm-hmm. up to Congress to pass the laws. But they need to change the laws on, um, on uh, getting asylum. And this law, they did, they did make that in this law. They did change the law on asylum, right? But um, it just gives him more discretion, and we, he's already proven that when given the ability to exercise discretion, he he exercises it in a way that allows for the border to remain open. That's correct. Now, they, I was interested about the five thousand again. I've read a review. I have right, right. read the bill, and most people haven't including Congress. Congress was against it before they read it anyway, because they were told to be against it. I mean, listen, it's not what I want. But again, the Democrats have finally woke up and realized, which I've never understood why Democrats have been for illegal immigration. I really don't understand it. It's above my pay grade. I don't get it. Oh, I, I can, can tell you why some Republicans, including legislators who overrode my veto, mm-hmm. they wanted it because... They catered to some people needing the workforce, mm-hmm. cheap labor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what passed it in North Carolina legislature. Right, and the Democrats right. want the votes. They they see I these as I, as potentially future voters. I think that they either see it as future voters, or the union might see it as future union workers or something. I I haven't figured it out. Yeah, no, that's it. it yeah, but no, they're I can tell seeing you. now the polls are showing they're getting killed on it. Biden right. is getting killed on it. And they can't even defend it now with the mayors of New York and Portland and Phoenix and everyone going, what the heck are y'all doing? They're now caving in. And right when they cave in and they're not even asking for dreamers, we're going, well, that's not good enough. We want more. We're going to wait for Trump to be president, which is risky because they don't know if they're going to get the House or Senate next time either. No, I, I agree. Yeah, I got. I have to leave it there. Pat McCrory, former mayor and uh, governor of North Carolina. I appreciate it. Good to talk with you, as always. You can shoot me an email, Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Uh, and uh, you can also hit me up on Twitter, at Pete Callender. I realize I use some violent imagery, too, when I say that. You can shoot me an email. You can hit me up on Twitter. I don't know why that is. Just message me. No violence, rhetorically or otherwise. Hello, Dave. Welcome to the program. Hey, Dave. Hey, Pete. Thanks hey. for taking my call. Yes, Dave sir. Thanks for hanging call. on. What's up? Hey, man. A couple of things. Uh, first of all, really appreciate uh, Governor, uh, former Governor McCrory uh, on a lot of levels. Unfortunately, um, I can't go along with his uh, rant about the uh, uh, elected candidates needing to try to figure out a way to get something passed. We... we um, we're basically a standoff in America. We've got half the people that feel one way and half the people that feel another. Mm. I don't want to blink as a conservative, and, and I'm willing to, to hang on as long as it takes to help other people see the disaster that the liberal left policies are creating for our nation. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I wanted to address is the attack ads that Billion Dollar Bradford is running against uh, my man, Dr. Mark Harris. Um, anybody that has never made a mistake, fine. You hold it against Mr. Mr. Harris, but, but uh, he who is without 
sin cast that first stone. And so uh, I, I just really think we are blessed to have a qualified candidate uh, in District 8 for Congress, and people need to get behind Dr. Harris, and they need to need to get rid of billion-dollar Brad for sure. So wait a minute. So is, is John Bradford a billionaire? No, no. Oh. It's just an expression. It, it, it's a alliteration. Oh, I got you. Uh, B, B works well, and, and he's got $2 million of his own money he's ponying up, so, uh, and Man. he's throwing it around pretty hard right now. Millionaire Bradford doesn't that doesn't have it's that billion alliterative. Dollar Brad. Big yeah. billion dollar Bradford. So, and so he uh, it, you know, it's free. It didn't cost you anything. Yeah, I got you. So the so the first, um, but for the uh, the the first point there, right there. Look, I totally understand. I've actually had this very same discussion with people of all things in my HOA or or the 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 neighborhood. We don't actually control our HOA. It's still the builders. Um, but I've had this discussion with you know my my neighbors like you. And to your point. To hit or to Pat McCrory's point about uh, the Reagan principle of you know you take the eighty percent and then you come back and fight for the rest and I and that's what I have advised people too. The key though, like that's so that's the first sort of uh, step or prong, if you will, in the in the tactic or the strategy because it would be one tactic is to just accept the eighty percent, assuming you're getting eighty percent. Now exactly. the question, that's the key. We ain't getting right. nothing in that bill. We're not right. getting a single thing. And the other thing is, what we've got to do is keep these bills from the the tactic is they tag on. Okay, we want to help Israel. We need to help Ukraine. They tag on things that have zero to do with the issue at hand, and right. and that's the, the the left strategy. And we we've, we've allowed it to go on far too long. We need to we need to stop it and stop it yesterday. Right. It's and it's not even the left. It's um, it, it is it is a common tactic in all legislative halls now. Everybody does it. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican-controlled legislature or not. Two wrongs, they, two wrongs don't make a right. No, I agree. Two I agree. But it's a right. way that you get things through that um, that otherwise might not, right? And and here's a, this is a, it really is, the last 24 hours, 48 hours have really been clarifying because what happened, right? We saw the border bill with, with the Ukraine funding and the Israel funding all tacked into it. Um, we saw that thing collapse. Then yesterday we saw in the House a standalone bill uh, to support Israel for funding for Israel. That also failed. And we also saw the impeachment against Mayorkas fail. And what has been the takeaway that we get? What's the narrative takeaway from uh, from yesterday's failures is that the Republicans can't lead. Where, like, I am of the mindset, Absolutely. just as you just said, that do these as standalone bills. And I'm also of the mindset, you know what, run the bill, and if it fails... It fails. That I don't see that as an indictment on leadership. You've got all of these people writing these stories and crafting narratives about how this shows that the Republicans can't govern. Well, it's a it's almost it's an almost evenly split House of Representatives. And frankly, I would like to see the debate. I would like to hear the people make their arguments. I want to I want to see a legislative process where the fix is not already in when the bill comes to the floor. I want to see and that's and that's and the other thing on this Pete is yeah. not only here to debate but get them on record with their vote and hold them accountable for their right. vote right it's because it's just that one issue right now everyone's saying oh the real story here is that the republicans couldn't muster passage of the israel uh, uh funding bill or is that really the story or is the story no. that there was like dozens of democrats that refused to support israel and 14 republicans who who didn't but the the but the like you have this huge chunk of democrats that are now moving farther and farther away from allyship with israel and like to me that's the bigger story. 
Absolutely. They're, they're catering to the Hamas and Palestinian sympathizers, that take, which in general are the younger voters. I hate to, hate no, it's to true. say that. I, we need the younger voters and the conservatives. But thank God we are getting some folks there that are stepping up as young people that are standing on these college campuses against this wave of, of liberalism. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're just catering. All they're interested in is power. That's all the left wants is power, 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 power. Well, that's because that's at the heart of Marxism. It's all power dynamics. So that's yes, why sir. that's. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Pete, so much. Dave, appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thanks for the call, Dave. Thanks for the conversation. I appreciate it. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, by the way, there's a reason why I asked uh, Pat McCrory about the no labels connection, because there was a line in a piece at Politico uh, by Jonathan Martin, I believe. And he said, like, for all of the worrying about no labels that's going to prevent Joe Biden from being president, that's that is not the issue that Biden's got to deal with. It's the Israeli Hamas issue, because there is a chunk in the Democrat base that is so angry at Biden for not backing Hamas. That's the real concern. That he may, he may have engendered so much anger by not coming out in favor of a terrorist organization that he may lose a significant portion of the Democrat Party base. Think about that. A, a large chunk of the Democrat Party base wants the President of the United States to come out and support a terrorist organization. It's really amazing. Where we've come. I'll get into some of that, too. Also, the Bud Light story. Yeah. It's okay to drink it now, everybody. Seeing a pattern here in the emails and messages regarding Pat McCrory. Um, yeah, so uh, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. All right, so let's uh, get to some of the messages. This is to Pete at the thepetecalendarshow.com. Um, Pete, I'm going to leave this person anonymous. Pat is so bitter. Watley did not. This is uh, Michael Watley, Republican uh, Party chairman of the state of North Carolina, who is now uh, reportedly in line to take over the position at the national uh, party level when Ronna McDaniel steps aside, as she is expected to do after the South Carolina primary. So saith the reports at the New York Post and New York Times. Pat is so bitter. Michael Watley did not break any rules at the convention. I was there. Trump made the endorsement without our knowledge until right before he went on stage. Okay, Pat McCrory said that Michael Watley broke all sorts of the, the Republican Party rules by letting Trump up there make the endorsement, and he didn't push back on anything like that, didn't stop it from happening, and... Uh, uh, Trump got up there, you'll recall, and made this uh, this endorsement of Ted Budd at the uh, at the Republican convention while Pat McCrory sitting there and Mark Walker sitting there. And there were a couple other candidates as well for U.S. Senate at the time. And Trump came out and made that endorsement. The sitting president of the United States at the state party GOP convention endorsed a candidate in the primary. And it's just generally not a good thing to do because people inside the party get very upset when leadership starts trying to put their fingers on the scales and push the primary elections towards one uh, candidate or the other. Um, and so 
Pat says that Watley broke the rules. This uh, person says that uh, that Watley did not break any rules, and Trump made the endorsement without our knowledge until right before he went on stage. So I'm not sure if I'm reading this correctly, um, but it sounds like then that people did know Trump was going to get on the stage, and he was going to make an endorsement, which, as I remember, that is what happened, that Lara Trump had said that, that there was going to be an endorsement or something, and that I think Pat is thinking that that should have been quashed. That should not have happened. But I don't know the party rules. That's the nice thing about not being in the Republican Party is I don't have to. <laughs> I don't have to know all of the rules. Uh, so there is pushback on that assertion from McCrory that uh, there were rules that uh, were broken at the RNC or sorry, the the the, the North Carolina GOP convention. Uh, Richard says, I really like Pat McCrory, but he is, oh, wait, hang on a second. Uh, sorry. There was another message that preceded this. Ask Pat what he actually knows about the bill. Based on this morning, he knows nothing. Does he know it moved all litigation to D.C. Circuit Court? Uh, does he know the president has discretion and can choose not to enforce it? I really like him, but he is so underinformed. This bill is a train wreck. Vote just to make law, whether good or not, just to make it? Yeah. No, and that's, I did. I pushed back on him on that because uh, he said he had read the Wall Street Journal's write-up on it, their summary of it. Well, I know that the Wall Street Journal's write-up was in favor of the bill. The Wall Street Journal editorial board was in favor of this bill. I was not. And from what I've read of the bill and the analysis that I have seen of it, and I've not read all 370 pages of it, but I've read I've read some chunks out of it. Um, no, it was not a good deal. I've spent the last two days talking about all of the problems. And, and the main thing is that you are codifying discretion and you're setting uh, you're setting the path for how these things are going to be handled going forward in a way that will make it very easy for the left to abuse the courts and the uh, the administrative bureaucracy in order to advance what they are obviously intent on doing, which is to overrun the border. And you know, Pat said he didn't know why Democrats have been for you know this illegal immigration and. You know, I've told him, and there's, I actually got another, uh, I got a, a message about this too. Where was this? Uh, to, 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 yeah, here we go. Um, from Melissa. And I talked about this, uh, I think last week or week before. Um, the initial reasoning for importing bodies from other countries is headcount for congressional districts. The more heads, the more representatives. Voting is just a bonus. A president is impotent without significant support in Congress. Right. So, this goes to the census counting. If you can get a whole bunch of people into your districts, uh, and if they can't vote, but they count towards the census population count, then you get to keep your congressional districts, even though you don't have enough voters. You don't have the same number of voters. So as people flee blue states and cities, yeah, you can keep importing more bodies that don't actually vote. 